If we're arguing, we should be recording. <laughs> again for the second episode of the Willpower Weightlifting Podcast, brought to you in the red brick, the surroundings of our beautiful boudoir. Joining me as always, and as he beckoned last time, Jordan Sakas. Jordy. I'm back. <laughs> He's back. And also uh, this afternoon, we're joined by the Willpower team captain, Sarah Kedwood. Keds. The captain, the wolf lady, she-wolf, <laughs> Beowulf, many acronyms. Captain, how are you? Very well. Are you, uh, are you nervous? A little bit. Captain and I are uh, drinking a little, uh, what we call a relaxant, a little Bloody Mary. There's Bloody and there's Mary involved. <laughs> and so today on the podcast, we will go through our, what is now coming, usual shenanigans. We will have a special guest, uh, Miss Leah Clark who we're going to call momentarily. Uh, Leah is uh, one of the willpower in-house and remote athletes. And so, fuck it, I'm going to call her now. Let's see what happens. Let's have a look. Press the dial. And we'll... Oh, it's ringing. Hello, Justin. Whoa, Leah, <laughs> fucking now loud and clear. Hello, how are you? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. You all right? Very good. Well, we've just introduced the whole show. You're in at the fucking beginning. Great. And so... Uh, I thought I'd do um, your review live on air. Okay. We'll do it a little bit later, but there we are, just to let you know what's coming. Uh, right, I've, uh, I've fucked the first topic off, because I'll do that later. Uh, the first subject matter today on the agenda is how to keep training. Now, you're all athletes, and we all know the importance to, uh, to maintain uh, recovery and keep training. Uh, Geordie, what do, you, what do you feel are the most important parts of... Uh, Allowing your body to train cycle to cycle, day to day, week to week? That's a very good question, Uncle. Thank you. So, for me, um, I think it's important to maintain a consistent dialogue with you about, you know, how things are feeling. Do, do you do that? <laughs> yeah. Do yeah, you? I would say. When, when was the last fucking update that you gave me without me prompting? Right, okay. Right. Well, my uncle's talking about text messages here. That's right. Readiness. Um, State of readiness message. Which I'm not very uh, consistent with. Very inconsistent. <laughs> yeah, but I pop my head in the office and yeah, I guess. give you a... Well, like this, you know... Like this afternoon after training, you mean? Yes. That's right. Yes. He, uh, a viewer, he gave me the, uh, you know, fucking body was beaten up today after training. Not before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Allowing me all the time to create an intervention of sensibility and rationale. Which you which you have done for the next week. That's right, I have. Not through not through dialogue. Not through dialogue of, of ourselves. So yeah. what do you feel is important, George? <laughs> <laughs> when it comes to readiness. Right, yeah. I'll uh, I'll go back from the top. Um so I think it's important to know what can get in the way of your training in terms of what injuries are um frequent with yourself. So for me, it would be my knees and then learning more about how you can manage those injuries or problems that can occur when you are under fatigue and creating a, 
appropriate prehab things that you can do to prevent those things from occurring at your toughest points in training. Cheers, George. Leah, what about yourself? I think for me, recovery is probably the most important part of being able to keep training consistently. Um, I feel like sleep is the biggest thing for me. Um, getting enough sleep, like 11, 12 hours a night, is pretty okay. bang on for me. Wow. 11 or 12 um, hours? That's half yeah, the day. I need, a, <laughs> um, I need a lot of sleep to recover. Uh, but I find for me that's, that's one of the biggest things that helps me get over that training fatigue. And, and of um, course, uh, sorry, Leah, you're going through a little bit of a um, a change in uh, pattern, as it as it were, through uh, is it a, a, a knee tendinopathy? Is that is, is that fair to say? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. And so we've uh, we've adjusted training to keep training, and this uh, the title of this segue is how to keep training. So we're keeping you training by doing what? Uh, well, a lot of the adaptation at the moment is avoiding full depth squats and lifts. Um, is that's what aggravates my knee the most at the moment. Um, so I'm doing a lot of power variants. I'm doing box squats, lots of pulls, um, just to keep moving, really. And um, are, are you seeing uh, new uh, potential being elevated as a result of these other interventions that keep you training? I think the biggest thing for me is if I can maintain a good percentage on my powers, um, and I can still induce um, training fatigue in some form, then I know that I'm maintaining my strength for the full lift. Um, I'm not sure that I feel like I'm seeing like a, a new horizon at the moment because um, I guess it's been going on for such a long time now, this knee injury, that it's, it's starting to feel quite limiting. Can I add a, um, can I add a little uh, segue here? Um, did, mm. Didn't you um, have a... PR uh, power clean from a pause position. I did. That's correct. Yeah. Is, isn't that a new um, level of preparedness? Dare I argue? Yeah. Yeah. No. That's that's true. I agree with that. Yeah. Um. And that was that was quite uh, motivating to be able to to achieve that. And it wasn't far off my best power clean actually. So. Yeah. Uh. That was that was like a peak in performance a few weeks ago, which was really positive. Great, Captain. What about yourself? What's the question? How do, how do we keep training? How do we manage our body? Your body's been uh, subject to a few early adaptation stresses. Mine is a little bit different. Mine would probably be um, the whole day, the whole day before my training session. Um, sleep as well, like Leah. Um, that's a massive part. Are you a, are you a 12-hour sleeper? I'm not a 12-hour sleeper, no. <laughs> How much do you get I up there on the fucking I would mountains? Like, I would <laughs> I'd like to say I, I'd like six to eight hours. Yeah. And if I don't get that, probably mentally would affect me the next day. Yeah. Um, uh, is, is anyone at risk if you're not getting sleep? Very much so. Yeah. It's, uh, Captain's got a bit of a temper or a high emotional state when sleep is not induced. So. And uh, what about your body? Uh, how's your body adapted to uh, weightlifting? Because you're sort of three or four years in the sport now. Um, I've what are the common niggles? My back is my yeah. is my biggest thing, squatting, which we've slowed down a little bit yeah. in the last couple of months. When she says slows down, what do you, what do you mean? Define. Um, well, we stopped. Yeah. We stopped it, and then we started it again yeah. gradually, and I don't get any pain at all now. Uh, and there's that, uh, is that the quad? Yeah. Yeah, we have to manage that as well. Yeah. So... 
I think uh, all these uh, areas... Stick into sort a programme as well. Stick to the programme, yes. <laughs> stick <laughs> quite important. To, stick to what's written. Um, and then go from there. Otherwise, how do you know? Um, you know, what if you're adding to your programme or trying something out, then it could well be that that was the, the lift too far, as it were. Um, and, and of course, uh, where was my thought there? My thought was going to be uh, somewhere along the lines of, how do you, you your, um, Jody, your uh, niggles are well known to you. You get a trap, a neck, you get uh, a knee, you know, there's, there's certain things that you know that are markers in your training that will arrive at certain points. And what we're doing is hoping they will come in at heavier loads because we know they're coming. We just want to try to get them delayed and get them in a bit later if we're not managing them, you know. Yeah, they're, they're inevitable. The, the niggles you, you face in training, are they're going to they're gonna come out at some point. I think an important thing to note is the, the more technically proficient your training is on the whole, the less these niggles will occur. And we've noticed that in times where the quality of training has slipped, um, the niggles have been more prominent. And that may be one may, may be the cause of the other or vice versa. But it's important that the trainings are the highest quality to give your body the um, a fair chance of, of staying out of those niggles. But the priority is always to keep keep training, as you said. You know, how do you keep training? You know, a week off because of a, a, a bad knee or a, a bad back or something is far less than ideal. So it's about trying to preempt those and, and put things in place that can keep you going through the door every day and doing some form of training. And that may mean, viewer, that you need to uh, be sensible and adjust uh, a midweek day so you take a lighter day uh, and allow the body to recover in the week, intra-week. Uh, or you need a light day on a Monday if you're particularly um, sore or stiff from the previous week's training. Uh, so it needs to be an adaptable process as your body is getting into pr certainly more challenging cycles as the weight gets heavier and such. Leah, do you have um, a series of uh, of, uh, of niggles that sort of come back? Are they repeat things? Um, I mean, it's always been my my right knee that's been the problem for me. Um, why, why is that, Leah? What's, what happened to that knee? So I, uh, back in 2012, I ruptured my anterior cruciate ligament and tore my meniscus playing football uh, and had that reconstructed twice. So it's always kind of been in the background, I guess, since um, that's happened. Um, I guess aside from that, I've also had problems with my wrist and having stress fractures in my wrist as well. Um, and I can think back to a few times where my training volume was so high and I was training on wrists that really weren't happy about it. Um, but I think that's where that, um, that mindset of being an athlete that you try and sometimes push on through injuries where really you should, you should sit back and uh, be a bit more sensible and take your coach's advice to go a bit easier kind of comes into play. Uh, and you're, um, a, you're an industry professional, Leah. You're a, a, a sports physiotherapist and, and, and rehabber. Mm -hmm. Does does that help you? Um, I guess it's like a kind of Jekyll and Hyde kind of scenario where it's this constant dissonance, uh, cognitive dissonance between knowing that you should take rest from the side of you that is the sports physiotherapist, but then as an athlete wanting to push on um, and kind of knowing what your your limits are in terms of pain tolerance. 
Um, yeah, quite so I've, I've always found that it's quite a battle for me, even with the, the side of me that knows what I should be doing. I, I, I always forget which one's which in the fucking Hyde Jekyll business, but basically the, uh, the athlete beast takes over, uh, logic and reason goes out the window, and the determination to perform uh, comes to the fore. So we get emotional. That's correct. Uh, Captain, you're uh, a fairly emotional person. <laughs> How does your emotion uh, uh, interfere, perhaps, with the days where we should take it a bit lighter? Um, interfere? Well, does, does your determination to want to do the work get in the way of sensibility? And you say, well, perhaps I should take a lighter day today. Yeah, I, d- I think it probably does. Yeah. Yeah. I think I, my mind thinks I should just power through yeah. when I shouldn't sometimes. Fair to say, that is probably a very common uh, happenstance amongst athletes. I'm getting better, though. Very much so. I'd uh, say that's the, biggest, that's the biggest thing that athletes go through is learning how to, it's okay um, to separate, you know, um, soreness from injury yeah. or, you know, or general fatigue from actual niggles and... You know, it's something that we've we've learned through the years. It's like, you know, the program isn't set in stone. It's not gospel. And doing a Wednesday session at the expense of your um, physical wellness and, and not being able to come in on a Friday and do, do your Friday session because you've done that extra set of squ- squats that you maybe shouldn't have done. Um, it's knowing how to make those calls. But then again, as, as Leah's pointed out, it's extremely difficult to make those calls in the heat of the moment because... The athlete inside you, you know, you you want to, you feel like you're, you're gaining an edge by putting yourself through the pain and the discomfort. Would would you would you agree with that, Leah? Do you think you've you've learned, you know, through through the years of lifting, how to make that decision easier, or do you, would you say it's still as difficult as it was? Yeah, I definitely feel that I've got better at that, and I think it comes down to, like, you have to have the experience of pushing yourself through an injury to see the effect that that has on the long term. And I don't really feel like you can call yourself a true athlete unless you've been through that experience of being injured and having to recover from it. Um, And now that I've had that experience quite a few times, it's a lot easier for me to kind of see that taking two to three days of easier training is far better than having out weeks in the long run. Um, but that, yeah, that just comes down to experience, I think. Didn't we go through a very light phase uh, a little while back, uh, Leah, before you did your remote, was it English uh, qualification thing or something like that? Yeah. And, yeah. And, and I remember you messaging me a couple of weeks before the the day where you had to go and film the, the, the lifts, as it were, uh, saying that, you know, I haven't lifted heavy, you know, what, what the fuck's going to happen? And, and we don't swear that much. I do. Um, I'm sort of paraphrasing <laughs> you. Uh, you know, what's going to happen? And then we just brought in some uh, heavier lifts. We started at 80%, went to 85 and then all of a sudden, what happened? Uh, well, out of the blue, I had PRs in both lifts. So I snatched 96 and clean and jerk 124. Congratulations. Um, and it was completely unexpected. By, um, by you, not by me. <laughs> yeah, that tends to be the case, though. I think I doubt myself quite a lot. Yeah. Um, but again, that just that I think it comes with the territory and it comes with developing that experience. And something we've spoken a lot about is the reality 
my belief and being able to attribute reality back to things that I've done in the past. Um, but yeah, I, I, it was a strange experience for me to have that period of training where things were lighter and I definitely panicked kind of three to four weeks out of the uh, championship thinking that I hadn't done enough heavy training to constitute lifting heavy on the day but things turned out okay and that for me was a new experience that it gives me confidence knowing that in the future if I have to take times of easy training that I'm not going to regress too much and that I'm still going to maintain a good amount of strength. That's right and I think that's a very important uh, thing for people athletes to experience is a multitude of different ways to get to preparedness for competition or in your case for a qualification total that you had to put together and it, there isn't one way there are many different ways we don't always use the many ways because generally we want the body to be fit and we'd be using more of a classical template if you like but there is an alternative and the alternative for yourself was we weren't doing any squatting either uh, so we took your your biggest weapon oh, well you, we didn't take it away that was it was removed from you because of the uh, the, the the injury and it was all light but that didn't make any difference to the outcome. The outcome was still two personal records in a garage, not ideal uh, conditions, no atmosphere, and you still produced it. Mm. Yeah. Captain, um, when you've been uh, coming back from uh, stresses, uh, you know, like uh, the, the quad that's, that's kept you awake at night, not, not just the full moon, uh, when you've been... Uh, unable to traverse the mountain tops looking for victims god bless them um how is that for you um in terms of your m mood when you come into training oh, it was when remember the first competition i did and my legs were really painful i used to cry didn't i most sessions and i didn't think i'd be able to do it because i thought taking the, the squats away would just i wouldn't be able to lift anything um but it was totally different then the next competition, wasn't it? I was. Yeah. I didn't even. Ex I didn't get any pain at all. Yeah. So yeah, it definitely affected my mood. It was awful. Yeah. I felt it was awful, but looking back, it, we just adapted it. That's right. And I think that um, you know, early on when you begin lifting, it's important to go through uh, training cycles and understand the process of keeping training. And if there is something that interferes with that uh, element, you know, as in you have to lighten the load or stop squatting or, you know, go to power variations or whatever it is, um, that really, provided you keep training, you can get it back all the way through to competition. Do you remember, like we talked about in the last show, episode one viewer, um, about Malaysia where you didn't do any lifting up until about three or four weeks before that competition. And when you did lift, it was fucking light, but we squatted and pulled a lot and you still went out and broke the Commonwealth youth record, hit PBs, won gold like a fucking champion. Yeah, and it, th those experiences teach you that in training um, that is that you see is less than ideal, it can still provide, you know, it can still produce results. And you take the squat away because of bad knees, and you know, the, you're ath you as an athlete, you're constantly doubting the fact that you're able to lift more than you ever have done because you, you haven't been squatting the numbers that you used to squat. Or, or or whatever it may be, or vice versa. You can't do the lifts because of your bad wrist, and you're all, all you're doing is squatting and pulling, and then you're questioning 
your your technique and and you you almost feel like you forget how to lift but you've got to you've got to remember that you've put the time in as a weightlifter before that point you know you you're competent in the sport trust the process and remember that these aren't these injuries aren't negatives if if you know they're positives if you want to make them positive it's an opportunity to work on different at- attributes and and different parts of your training that you wouldn't necessarily do that is very true that's the part of it that i enjoy as a coach is to think uh, differently have a different strategy and and then work on the areas of potential that are available uh, that classic snatch clean and jerk squat pull perhaps wouldn't offer us and so there we are viewer um what you can take away that is sometimes you might need to sleep 12 hours a night and uh, but you do need to keep training and you need to recover and you need to know your body you need to communicate with your coach very well and remove the emotion away from your decision making uh, which will allow for reason and logic and evidence excellent right uh, the next segue is called a pre-lift setup and everybody has a pre-lift setup uh, or you should do if you fucking go into the bar randomly i would suggest that you take a look in the fucking mirror uh leah do you have a consistent lift setup that you know well um it's not something that i've ever really uh utilized too much in my training as in terms of having like a ritual before I go to the bar, um, normally I would just stand and, and take a take a breath, look at the bar, and then I always um, I always grab the bar with my left hand first, uh, and then right hand on the bar, and then just get on with my lift. Really, I don't really have too much of a setup going into it. Can I um, just interject here? So the pre lift setup could well it's your setup. So it's left hand first, then right hand. There will be a certain tempo to your, um, you know, by pre-lift, I mean before the hands go on the bar. You know, just as you walk up to the bar, you're putting your hands on it, and uh, then you have the same routine over and over again. Yeah, that's correct. Great. And has that changed over the uh, the years you've been lifting? Yeah, it's definitely it's developed and shortened, I think, and it's kind of sequenced. Um, I definitely utilize more of a setup when I was younger in my lifting um, and that would normally involve some swinging around of the elbows and moving the hands and the wrists around a little bit. Um, but I think the more I've matured as an athlete, the more I have just directed my focus into getting set on the bar and actually lifting it rather than everything that comes beforehand. So you, you used to have a little bit of um, pre-lift charades, as it were. Yeah, that's right. Captain? Um, you've got a pretty consistent setup. Is it something that you're uh, aware of? No, I'm probably not aware of it until I see a video. Mm. Um, I wasn't even aware of, of a setup before I came here. Um, I just used to just lift it. Yeah. Never used to look at a dot or. Yeah. Um, yeah, I do a funny thing where I I always feel the bar yeah. before I lift, which I don't realize I do until I watch a video. Yeah. Which I have no control over. Great. That's all right. It's it's consistent. Yeah. And I think in my head I just go, oh, I, well, I think I do. Use your legs. Use your fucking legs, which I would never have done before. What, you'd never swear at yourself before? or No, never use used my legs. legs. <laughs> use your fucking legs. Use your fucking it legs. It always goes woman. through my head. Right. 
So there's your setup. A little bit of self-chastisement or motivation, as yeah. we like to call it here. Um, uh, some subconscious patterns that you're unaware of, but they're very consistent. And from my perspective as your coach, I look for the consistent pattern. So if an inconsistent um, happenstance seems to take my eye, then I can pay attention to it and then see if that is just an anomaly or something I should be paying attention to. Sometimes. She does howl a lot. <laughs> yeah, depends if it gets heavy or we've just thrown a surprise at you. I'm in control of that now, though. Really? Yeah. Yeah, all right. We shall record the howl <laughs> for everyone to hear in the future. <laughs> um, uh, George, uh, tell us about the 12-year-old who used to set up. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I had a pretty long setup. Long? When I was younger. It was... It was L- well, put it this way, my first ever competition was uh, in the Welsh schools, and I was 13 years old, and um, I, I vaguely recall uh, Natasha Purdue in the in the crowd as I was setting up for one of the cleaning jerks, yeah. shouting something akin to, get on with it then, or something like that. It was, uh, yeah, I'd sit in the bottom of a squat with the hands, my hands on the bar, and I remember vividly, I, I'd take about three breaths before I even set up. What, um, what kind of, it, it wasn't... They weren't, bre- the, the f- the the um the breath that instigated the lift was um yeah it was like a fucking vacuum <laughs> yeah. of oxygen being taken from the sports auditorium like a vat pack when everyone just shrank as I breathed the air <laughs> absolutely <laughs> fucking old ladies were fainting oh. in the back because the fucking oxygen had just been depleted straight from them yeah Christ what it yeah it was, it was a health hazard. Yeah, and then on a, on a cleaning jerk, fuck me. I, I'd wow. do a clean, and then I'd start again. It would be three breaths in between yeah. clean and jerk. Um, fucking hell. And I remember we went back from a comp and just said, right, we've got to shorten your, your, your gap between the clean jerk, George, because you're going to fucking pass out as we get heavier. Um, yeah, I that that was as I you know in my early days. And then um, I've done a few strange things over the years. Um I'd done this weird setup for a bit where I used to like um, lift my hands in the air before and like sweep my foot back. Yeah. And I thought I was the fucking dog's bollocks doing it. Yeah. He was about 15, 16 then. Yeah. I was just full of fucking uh, juice. Like I, I, you know, full of test. I, young boy fucking. Full of test, probably not full of juice back in those days. No. <laughs> what did you do? I'd done this, um, I'd done this thing where uh, I'd throw my hands in the air and like sweep my foot back. Um, I've done it in training, I've done it in comp, and um, it was the weightlifters' equivalent of MJ, wasn't it? A bit of Michael Jackson on the platform, oh. little, little before bit of a lift, yeah, yeah before cool, the lift, cool as fuck. Um, I did did a bit of that, and now it's a bit, it's a bit toned down. I just you know, um, a bit like Leah, just put my hands on the bar, sit into a squat, talk to myself for a bit, kick my my ass in the air, and then you've just brought that in. You've just changed something. Yeah, have you not? Yeah, so I brought I I've started to lift my legs completely straight before I set in, and I feel a good stretch on my hamstrings, um, and feel like I'm able to set into the bar a bit better, and that's just a recent thing that we've done. Um, but yeah, it's constantly adapting, but I'm very aware of it, and I need to, you know, I think it's important as an athlete to make sure that you're keeping the controllable things the same, so that everything becomes. Robotic, if you like. Very wise words. And with those words falling and cascading into the ether, we're going to take a short break 
because it's now time for Rinse My Lift. What's the kid's name? George. George what? Lan... What's his name? Lansdowne. George, George Lansdowne. Right. Uh, we think it's George Lansdowne. I haven't got a fucking clue, to be honest. I've had a couple of sherbets, a couple of looseners. Right. Uh, let's play it. Here we are. Oof. Oh. Oh, dear. Right. Now, let's reverse it. Should we play it again, George? Yeah, play it again. Play it again in real time. There it is. I think that's a fucking Hyundai in the background. Not sure. So, let's have a look. Let's have a look. Start position. Bar comes away from the floor straight away, I think. There it goes. Look at that. Fucking bar's moving. George, your bar's moving away. And what have we got here? Not bad. Good balance. I don't like his shoes, though. Uh, what what are they? I'm not boned up on my shoes. I don't, uh, don't recognise the brand, but... Right, he's brandless. George, what not, are your shoes? Not very trendy. He did call us ladies on his fucking uh, <laughs> on his message. He said, "Rinse me, ladies." That's bold, isn't it? He's from Scotland, and uh, so I like his position at the knee. Keeps the bar close. That's a good job. A good job. But there we are. He's finishing. That bar just comes out in front of him, doesn't it? Just comes out in front. It's already up front. Fucking left him from the floor. George gets his head through. Wild catch. Look at his fucking feet. He's wild as fuck, this fucker. Fucking Robber the Roy. And then, that's a poor position. Look at that. Like, you got, I don't know, George, but you don't look like you've got any leg strength. He's fucking lifting with his back. Bar comes forward, and then pop. It could be, like, uh, during lockdown, people lifting in fucking uh, garages like mm. that. Everyone's dropping their weights forward. So they know they're going forward. Not a good sign for a weightlifter. Maybe he's trying to miss his car out or something. I don't know. Well, George, if that's your fucking car, I'm, oh, I don't know. Yeah, sacrifice the car for some proper fucking lifting, son. Not a man's car, is it? What kind of car is that? Let's have a look again. I'd be fucking trying to miss out back with that fucking uh, vehicle behind me. You'd be what? Trying to miss out back. Oh, right. Got you. Getting the insurance. Yeah. Not sure you can get COVID insurance on a fucking... Uh, Miss lift out the back. Yeah, in the garage. In the garage. Not a good beard. Got to say that. It's a, it's a very young man's beard. I would say my main advice for George would be just sort your setup out. And I'm not talking about lifting setup. I'm talking about like the clothes you're wearing, the the haircut, the beard. Sort how you're looking, son, because the only way's up from there. Right. That's what I would say. My advice is different. Right, well. Uh, it's fix that fucking roll from the floor. There it is. Look at it. Fucking rolling from the floor. He's not even set his fucking back as that bar's fucking splitting off the floor. Yeah. And then he seems like an average athlete. Like, he's got athleticism. Not a great deal, but he does have some. And he's not very strong. Look at that. Fucking up his ass comes. And then forward we go. So there we are, George Lansdowne, if that is, your, in fact, your name. Uh, that's our advice. Viewers, if you would like Jordan and myself to rinse your lift, send it in to trainatwillpower.com. Trainatwillpower.com is not the email address. Please go to willpowerweightlifting at gmail.com. Yeah.
and we're back. Right, we left you with the pre-lift setup. Uh, we've just done the rinse my lift for that poor young man who uh, just got fucking fleeced by us. God bless. Right, and now we're coming into a couple of supplementals. And the first one is, do you know what speed is? This uh, relates to lifters who come into my gym. Uh, unbeknownst to them, they think they're moving fast, but they have no fucking idea whatsoever about how to move quickly and dynamically with speed. You ever met any of those, Jord? Ah, loads of them. <laughs> loads of them. Wet wipes. Oh, is that is that a term? That is a term. What, you just made it up, or is it... No, I think that's widely used. Say wet wipes. You're a wet wipe? Yeah, I'd use that. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. fucking hell, yeah. Is it, what, uh, down in fucking uh, Devon and Exeter, that's a term, is it? It is widely used. Well, we, we just about get the uh, word out of mouth in Devon. Right, wet wipe. Yeah, it's basically someone who, who is all fart, no poo. I, I can't even... Look, are we going back? I can't follow. <laughs> I should have just renamed it. Geordie speaks, I can't follow. <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about? All right, okay, fine. Uh, yeah, don't like them. Um, what do you mean you don't like them? People like that. What, people who think they're moving fast and they flex about how fast they move and they're actually slow as fuck. Well, is, that is, is that a dislikable quality? I think so. I think it's disingenuous. Well, all right. Perhaps they're just unaware of what speed is. That's the point of the segue. Well, you know me. I'm a bit more uh, hot-headed in that respect. A lot more hot-headed. Leah, have you got any patience with these people or are you... Uh, <laughs> these wet wipes? Uh, I'm, not, I'm not a big fan of the, uh, the arrogant sort, so... Yeah. For me, like it, it comes across as arrogance when you think you're something that you're not, and everyone else can see it apart from yourself. So, um, my patience would run quite thin with people like that. I think. Right. Okay, Captain. Do, do you? I don't really understand. What you mean. So, uh, people come into the gym, and uh, you know, uh, historically, it would be something like uh, I would say, uh, "Do you know what speed is?" And they would say, "Yes." And I would say, well, why aren't you fucking using it? You're moving too fucking slow. I always worry I move too slow, so I'm on you the don't side move, of that. You don't move <laughs> slow, Captain. So Maybe I've misread it then. Because that, that type of person I've got no, no qualms about, really. That, there we are. I just want to clarify that to everyone. <laughs> like, we, we have got a heart here. Yeah, if, look, if, if, you move, if you're trying your best and it's not enough, then I'm sorry. If you are flexing that you're fast, then you're actually... Yeah, you know, like Mikey's fucking fast. He is fast. Not the fastest. <laughs> <laughs> He's up there. But um, he doesn't make a song or dance by it all the time. It's not about a song and dance. Yeah, and it's that and that's the angle I thought you were taking. No. So uh, it, it's the unawareness. Let's let's be fair to these wet wipes or fucking non pooers or whatever the fuck <laughs> it is. The the people who uh, flatulate but don't defecate. <laughs> there we are. That could actually be uh, the title of the podcast, Flatulation Rather Than Defecation. A um, or a T-shirt. Great. So, uh, yeah, speed is a, a, the, one of the most important uh, elements of lifting, mm -hmm. and I feel it is a perception that is very difficult when you are unaware of how much speed you can produce as a lifter. Um, Leah, you've come from uh, football, and... When you first started lifting, was speed an element that you uh, had in abundance or was it something that you've developed over time? It's definitely something that's had to develop over time. If I look back at videos of me when I first started lifting, then I definitely didn't have like the speed from the hips that I have now. 
um, that yeah, that definitely took me a, a time to find that um, and to also explore that quality and to realise kind of um, the depth to which you have control over it as well. Yeah, and I think that um, when you're developing speed, you can misappropriate the curve of speed too early on. We can try and go too fast too soon, and then we get a, a slower pull when it comes to you know, the, the extension phase, as it were. Geordie? Yeah, and I think as well as that, um, there's sort of the inverse of that where people try and influence speed too soon in their weightlifting journey when it is one of the later things that yeah. is developed. You know, if, if, you try and, if you try and influence your speed at the expense of your technique and your technique isn't, you know, um, set in stone, then you're going to see things like early arm bends, lack of extension. Yeah. Um, but then you're right. You know, in terms of the, the tempo and the and the speed of, of acceleration with with the lift, um, often you see lifters who are, are flat out off the floor with the lighter weights, and then as the weight gets heavier, and this is something that happens with myself, um, as the weight gets heavier, it gets to a point where that speed just isn't apparent. You know, because you haven't dialed in the correct tempo from the lighter lifts. Yeah, tempo is very important. Mm. And I, I, I remember, I think it was uh, Glenn Pendley came up with the uh, position tempo speed. You know, you work on the positions first, then you build a tempo that is uh, regular and consistent, and then you're able to influence the speed because of the first two qualities. And uh, maybe for you, Captain, it's uh, one of those... Uh, uh, elements that are happening, but it's happening in the background. Yeah, I don't even realise it. Yeah, and but for sure, I mean, your what's your best national? Seventy one, seventy one. So when you were putting fruit pastels on the bar and just fucking loading up little fractional plates because the change of plate was uh, perhaps uh, bringing the wolf to bear, yeah. um, you know, you were a lot slower back in those days. You was you had this, a very similar tempo, a very similar shape, but it was you're now dynamically, you're stronger, you have a more efficient, consistent technique, and you're a- applying speed as a side product of the training. Yeah, like you said, it takes a long time. Yeah, and I think for lifters to have an awareness of how to impart speed into uh, the bar at extension, that is a, should we call that an advanced stage? Yeah, yeah, and I think it's also, um, and we we talk about this quite a lot, um, you know, it's a lot of lifters go wrong by thinking that the speed needs to come to the point of which they extend. Um, When we often talk about the snatch in particular, as an acceleration into the receive. Correct. Um, and, you, you know, you often see the if, if people place an importance on extension of hip but not extension in, uh, sorry, speed of hip but not speed in receive, you'll Correct. often see that um, two-paced um, finish catch, whereas, you know, you watch you watch some of the, the more advanced elite lifters um, in the snatch and it's, it's, there's a real nice turnover and acceleration into receive. Yeah, I think the system is accelerating into the receive position where at the beginning of the lift, the you, it's obvious to see the bar accelerate, but you need to see the body accelerate into a receive position. I think as well, you can you can want someone else's speed. You can get that, that can take over and everyone's got their own speed. That's that, correct. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. You I- Each lifter has their that's own that's not a good thing because you've got to have your own speed. you have to have your own you can't copy you can't mimic it no. because your b- mechanics are different the way you your proprioception is different they're all 
um, unique to yourself and you can influence your speed. You can look at, let's say Michael is a good example. You're not going to lift like Michael. Nobody is. But you can take the elements of what he's bringing and look at the way in which he's able to get under the b the bar um, with that dynamic element and bring that more into your lift. Like there's lots of fast lifters out there. And also there are lifters out there who are considerably uh, slower, but they're all fast under the fucking bar. Yeah. You know, every one of them. As that weight gets heavy, you better get fucking fast under the bar. What say you, Leah? Well, I think something that comes to mind for me is also um, the way in which people approach the uh, increments in weight as well, because I feel like a lot of people um, perceive that they need to impart the same speed on their warm-up reps as they do on their heavier reps. But actually, I think the speed you impart should be equal to the weight that you're lifting as well. Otherwise, you tend to lose control of the bar. Yeah, that's a, again, that's one of those um, more advanced perceptions as you're able to influence the tempo at a regular uh, consistency. And I think or you, you may be doing it as a beginner or an intermediate, but you may not know you're doing it. And so as the as the weight gets heavier and your mastery increases, then your awareness of space and time will increase relative to your mastery and the reps you've put in. I agree. And um, I think it's important to distinguish what speed we're, t we're not talking about speed from the, from the floor. No. We? We're not talking about, you know, ripping the bar off the floor and gaining a huge amount of speed from the floor. It's about that speed from the hip speed in the receive from the hip and receive. Yeah. That's one of the most difficult parts of the lifting. You don't always get taught that, though, do you? It's, it's, it's well, I think it's something that is a byproduct really of a being in a really good training environment where yeah. you're seeing it, and that's the importance of the supplement here, which is: Do you know what it is? Have you seen it enough? Yeah. And if you train with high-level lifters, you're going to fucking see it all the time, and you, by osmosis, will understand that you need to move as fast as the lifters around you. And so you start to bring that into your training. And then, uh, as in the case of uh, willpower, you watch everyone elevate because the whole training quality is high. There's a very high level of lifters here. And so new lifters coming through uh, the training end up automatically becoming faster. You know, you know what it looks like, but you, you know exactly what it sounds like. Oh, you can yeah. fucking hear it. <laughs> and that's the sure. sound. You know, you walk into a place like Willpower and you listen to the platforms and you could have your eyes closed and know the speed and the intent of which is being placed on the bar. Yeah. And the more fami familiarity you have with what fast sounds like, what Mikey yeah. Farmer sounds like, um, the more you're able to impart that in your own lifting. There's uh, uh, Viewers, we'll try and put this video up. There's a, a clip of uh, Donny Shankel uh, cleaning, I think it was a hand clean of 190. Um, on platform one he just arrived in the country came in for a bit of a warm-up and th the speed and sound of the fucking bar was just incredible was it not the crack of a whip it was it? like exactly it was like a fucking bullwhip going off right we we might try and edit that in for the thing or we'll put a link to it i'll let tiberius do that our producer uh next of my supplementals and this links on from the uh the flatulating defecators here to douche or not to douche? That is the question. Now, I don't know about anybody at home, <laughs> but I'm a fan of douching. Captain? Uh, no, I have a question. No douche? But you do talk a lot about douching. I do. Yeah. 
I do. Jordy, are you a doucher? I'm not a doucher, no. No? I don't douche. You don't douche? I don't douche. I, um, no, never, never douche. Never douche. Leah? Not a fan of it myself. Not a fan? Well, I can promise you all, if you need to make weight, get the fucking douche out. I've been threatened with the douche. I've threatened you with Why douching. Why do you like to douche? It's very hygienic. Okay. If if you fucking if if you peel an onion, you wash your hands. So if you're fucking defecating, you're gonna fucking douche your fucking anus. I can't compare douching to peeling onions. <laughs> That's my point. Like peeling an onion is far more hygienic than fucking taking a fucking defecation. So why would you not douche? I can't see. I can't see the, how they fall parallel. All right. I can't. Uh, viewer, <laughs> if you have any opinions upon douching yourselves, or if you are an erstwhile doucher like myself. Um, contact us, train at willpower.com. You can see I've, I know my um, we- email uh, address far better than I did last time, or on the Instagram. Right, next supplemental. I'm going to open the old laptop here and put the password in, which is password. Um, <laughs> I own a gym, and every now and again, I'm sent some beautiful emails from manufacturers all around the world. And I've decided to read some to you. Uh, The first one is from hurleyglovesandbelts.com. And it says, and I'm going to read it verbatim. I won't make anything up. We are manufacturer and exporters of all kinds of CrossFit, comma, gym wear, comma, fitness wear, comma, products, full stop. We make your product with logo. Please visit at website address, we are inviting your esteemed organization to be our business partner. We are just a mail or a call from you. Salutations and felicitations. Hurley Sports. Now, you couldn't fucking make that up, could you? What a beautiful message to receive first thing in the morning. I've got others, and I might read them in the future. But that's the kind of the salutations and felicitations is something that uh, reigns dear to my heart. Because when I was, uh, I think it was Pune in India at a Commonwealth Championships, every time an official came on the stage to be uh, lauded and ladied and all the rest of it, everything was a salutation and a felicitation. And I think that's a beautiful way to end an email. So thank you. Uh, Didn't leave their name, just uh, Hurley Gloves and Belts. So if you're in the uh, market for CrossFit, gym wear, fitness wear, products, and all of which would have your logo on, Call or www.hurleygloves-and-belts.com. And they're on WhatsApp. All righty. Uh, Leah, well, let's do your review because uh, we haven't spoken in a while. And this gives us a perfect opportunity for uh, people at home or in their gym, wherever they are, to listen to what it sounds like to get reviewed here. So how's training been? Um, I think on the whole it's been high quality. Um, I definitely feel quite fatigued from it and quite sore. Um, I've had that real heavy day on the Tuesday of heavy push press, heavy squats and deadlifts. And that, I find, um, makes me quite fatigued for the rest of the week. So recovering from that has been a challenge. But everything else has been kind of going along swimmingly, really. So uh, you've said that um, the body's in fatigue. Uh, Give me a number, one to ten. Uh, six. Six. Um, and are you able to uh, recover well, uh, given the fact that you're an 11 or 12 hour sleeper? Um, 
through the week so we're ready again for Monday? I seem to be, yeah, on that turnaround on the Sunday, having Sunday off, that seems to be enough for me to feel just about recovered for the coming week. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's, it's on like a very thin line at the moment where I could potentially not be recovering, but it's, it's on the right side at the moment of that. All right, so the volume that we are, the, the total volume of the week, the spread of intensity is just about in the right balance. Is that fair to say? Yes, I'd agree with that. All righty. And uh, we did some slow eccentric uh, below knee work. Is that right? And Oh, no, we did pause work and slow eccentric work. And did I change that up last cycle? Uh, yeah, so the last week it's been um, from the hang position, but without the slow eccentric. Yeah. So I think we'll continue with that and see how that builds. Um, I won't alter the volume, the, the total volume. I'll just um, make sure that we... Uh, increase one or two of the lifts appropriately uh, so you get more exposure to perhaps if we look at uh, about 80% as being something uh, of a target in the snatch, in the power snatch that is. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, maybe, I think, could we stretch to 85% in the power clean, do you think? I think that's possible. Excellent. Right. So... Viewer, I'm going to write that program for Leah. Make sure she's got it Monday. Are you training still in that little garage? Yeah, still in the garage. Right on. And, um, still nice and cold. Yeah, well, spring has sprung. We're all springy here. It's uh, about uh, 12, 15 degrees in Wales. What's it down there? It's about 11 down here. Right, good. Um, so, we're going to talk a little bit. How long have we got, Nick? We've got a... We if you can hear anything in the background, I think there's a crackhead making what a lot of noise outside. I have no idea. It's a crack. It's one of the crackheads. All right, we live in a very. Um, we live in a, a a very interesting environment here, uh, around the willpower, around the back of the buildings, and uh, all sorts of people expressing themselves in all sorts of ways during this uh, time. God bless. Um, so, seeing the compensation is the. Final supplement. Before that, I'm going to introduce the uh, drink sponsor. It's Smirnoff this week. We've gone classic. Uh, Smirnoff 21 on the Bloody Marys. Happy with your Bloody Mary, Captain? Very happy. Uh, Geordie, you've just got bloody. Yeah, I'm minus the Mary, double the bloody. Got a Mary? <laughs> Very nice. Leah, are you uh, are you partaking in uh, any relaxants? No, I'm tea total at the moment. So, cup of tea then, is it? Yeah, nice cup of tea. Nice cup of tea, lovely. And a bit of a biscuit. What's your biscuit of choice, Leah? Um, I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right. Choco Leibniz. The uh, the square ones with the little chocolate around them. I've never fucking heard of that one. No. Wow. Geordie, you got a biscuit? I like a malted milk. Malted milk. Yeah, I, I like a malted milk. milk. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, I go through biscuits like you wouldn't, you wouldn't believe. Hobnobs, I can, I can eat packets of them. Yeah. Great, that's a fucking athlete's breakfast if ever there was. <laughs> Fuck me. Obviously out of season, right? Out of season. What do you mean out of season? No, nah, we don't have seasons, do we? Uh, no, I, yeah, sometimes I, I do deviate from uh, healthy eating. And telling his coach how his body feels every day. <laughs> right, what a fucking athlete. So, seeing the compensation, this is called, and uh, I'm going to speak as a coach, because that's what I fucking am. When you're putting your athletes through training, as we've just heard from Leah. She's on that borderline of having just enough training and intensity for the body to recover 
uh, day on day, week on week. And what we're looking for is to bring fatigue to the fore, but not too much that we can uh, not recover. And over the cycle, as the cycles get progressively heavier, because that uh, would be in alignment with the uh, parameters of training, can the body recover the same? And if the, the number is six on week three of Leah's cycle, when the, all of the loading is heavier, then we know her body is compensating to the total volume of work. And so I'll try and keep it simple for the athletes because they don't really think in these terms. Captain, when you go through a cycle, and let's say you're a f- sort of four-week on, on four-week programs. I don't know three weeks for you. You're more or less a four-weeker. So when you go on week one, and then by the time you get to week four, and it's a lot heavier, there's a lot more, potentially there's a lot more volume or a lot more weight. How do you um, think about that? Do you, how do you feel when you're looking at the next heavy expressions for the following weeks, as it were? Um, I, like, I like when you get to week three or four, because I... I quite like the feeling of thinking I might not be able to do it. That's what I like. And I think, shit, I'm not going to be able to do this on Friday. Me and George spoke about this last night, didn't we? Mm. Um, but I quite like that feeling. Yeah. And so the anticipation of the heavier expressions or the increase in volume uh, stimulates that. Um, I suppose it's a sort of half fear half yeah. excitement, the sort of fight or flight, the fucking beast inside, the wolf that lives deep within. And it's nice, like we always have Thursdays off and, and I try to have Sundays. I like I like feeling like I've trained and I need to have those days off. Like I couldn't train yeah. those extra days because I have before. And, and you're a very high volume lifter, aren't you? Yeah. If I, if I reduce the volume too much, that fucking... That doesn't end well for me. That's a fucking, <laughs> there's a high risk of my fucking throat not being intact. Um, Jordan, you've got, I'll, I'll talk about it in a second. Leah, what, what do you feel about um, <laughs> compensation and the, the, way, <laughs> the way your body um, uh, recovers and then compensates for each progressively higher step, as it were, in the cycle? I always feel like I'm not recovering enough. Um, and then seems to surprise myself by having a very good session where I'll make a PR on something on a day where I feel like I'm not feeling very good. And then um, I will be able to express the kind of uh, increment of gain that I've made on what feels like a bad day seems to be the pattern for me. I would agree with that. Agreed. So again, a similar thing, isn't it, whereby we are uh, registering a level of fatigue that we build into our psyche, our mentality, that could put a limit on performance up until the point where we've evidenced it. Um, uh, Jordan, your uh, compensation pattern we've measured over years, um, and what's your hardest day? Uh, It would tend to be the 10th day of a training cycle. Correct. So what happens on those days? Yeah, I'm just not good company and uh, <laughs> training in south. Get him some biscuits. Yeah. <laughs> Get the douche out. Well, maybe not. But uh yeah, it's uh it's if anything's going to go Pete Tong, it's on those days um and that's when I'm at my most miserable um storm out. You should try douching. Yeah, maybe you should. Cl- maybe lighter. maybe you should. <laughs> um what what you storms out the gym? It's fucking, isn't it? Oof. I storm out it's the emotional. gym. 
it is emotional because yeah. you care, didn't you? Yeah. You know, you give a fuck, and uh, you know, it tends to be day ten, day eleven, um, hard days. They're tough days, you know, and the movement won't be as I want them. The 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 speed won't be as I want them. Um, if there's going to be any misses in the program, it'll tend to be on those days. Um, and as much as you try and mentally prepare for those, um, tough. when you are emotionally yeah. high in training. Yeah, I do need to tip myself away sometimes. And um, and then, session 12, session 13, 14, 15, what happens? Well, so I'll go back to 10. <laughs> I normally go in the office, right, and tell my uncle that life's shit. I want to fucking give this all up. Um, you know, the, the movement's just not there. It's been five years since I've made a PB. I'll just fucking empty, empty the tank, you know, throw it all on the desk. And then um, he's fully ex- he's fully expressive there, isn't he? You know, ask him how he feels on a fucking Monday. On Nem- a, doesn't on, exist on a Monday, then yeah. Um, and you know, I'm flying and things are moving really unky dory. And then you usually you usually remind me of the conversation we had the, the, the Wednesday prior. Um, and it's always an eye opener, and it happens every fucking time um, without fail, without fail. Um, but it's good, you know. You got you you know you got to have the downs to enjoy the ups as they say. So, coaches out there, all of your athletes will have a pattern of compensation that will be present in training every single week, cycle, day, whatever the, the your style of programming is. And it is for you to pay attention to their compensation patterns by getting information from them, by witnessing their mood, whether they are coming into your office complaining whether they are silently howling in the fucking corner or whatever it is and adjust the training appropriately, not too much because that's the point where the gold happens. That's the point at which you want to be on that edge, on that knife edge, taking the athletes to that point, not of overtraining, but just getting to the overreaching stage where you know adaptations are happening and then you wait to see where the curve comes out and you be patient with that and make sure that you're adaptable and flexible and you're reasonable and logical and evidence-based. Wow, that was fucking brilliant. Was. That was actual fucking weightlifting talking. Well, that was an hour of weightlifting, wasn't it, really? All, except the douche, which I think is relevant if you're making weight. Oh. Either that or learn to masturbate a lot. Right, okay, everyone, that's the end of the show. Play us out, Nick. We'll uh, catch you next time on episode three of the Willpower Weightlifting Podcast. The Red Brick Podcast. <laughs> and the Red Brick. Hey. <laughs> Thanks, Leah. No worries.